You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Good evening, friends. Hey, um, we've got some, we have several special guests here tonight. We've got our friends from Santa Barbara, Daniel and Sarah Zia. Welcome. They were friends of ours that we worshiped with out in California for a while. It's so good to have you in town. Um, and we also have Joe and Kim Galindo, who are our elders from Dallas. And Kim, did you want to share that? Kim felt like she had a, a word from the Lord for us. And I just, anytime Kim has the microphone, I'm all in. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. Well, um, I just wanted to tell you, Upper Room Frisco, God really, really loves you. I mean, I just sensed this so much, so strongly tonight. It was just like his, his love and his affection for you is just huge. And it's because of how, what we sang tonight, how you seek his face. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage you in that. Um, I just want you to, I felt like I heard these words, you are not less than. You are not less than. You are very, very special to God's heart. There is something beautiful and amazing that he has for you. And as you continue seeking his face and you continue living with his mark on your life, and I believe what I'm seeing is his mark is on you is love, his love and humility. And to continue to walk in that is just, it's his hand on you. It is his mark on you. And don't ever forget that. How, when Jesus was asked, you know, what is the greatest commandment? What are we supposed to do? What does God tell us that we're supposed to do? And, of course, the Pharisees were asking him that in a very haughty, trying to trip him up kind of way. And it, he, came, he came back so sure. And he just said, it's love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, all your strength. And love others as I love you. As I, and he says in one place, it says, my, as you love yourself. And then you know from the, the word, it, he, it's as he loves us, we are to love others. We cannot oh. give what we have not been given. Mm. And so that is what I want to encourage you in. It's not about fanfare. It is about y'all going out into this community and loving God with all your heart and loving others and inviting them into that. I mean, having dinners at your house, inviting your neighbors. And as you go out to the grocery stores, to restaurants, to wherever you are, your schools, I I keep seeing the schools, that there are broken, hurting people Mm -hmm. everywhere you go that are just waiting to be invited in to God's love. And if you ask him, you'll hear this is someone that needs to be invited to come over for dinner. And I just see that the multiplication happening that way. It's just, gonna, it's just amazing. So, and I felt like he gave me this as we were worshiping. Yeah, thank you, honey. Uh, Psalm 27. That Bible is ancient. <laughs> that is an amazing is. relic. I actually got this in Florence, Italy. And a little bookstore, so and cool. there's kind of some special things about that. So I treasure it, and it is falling apart. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right. Um, okay. It's, in Psalm 27, 
David says, hear my voice when I call the Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. And then he says, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. And then at the end of that psalm, because he was going through some really tough stuff, like we all do, he says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I want to encourage you guys. Keep waiting. Keep seeking his heart. Keep seeking his face. Find your security and your reality in his goodness. Yeah. And there's just... Mm -hmm. There's just no end to what he's going to be doing or what he is doing. He's already doing it. And he's just, it's just, I just see it. It's just going to be multiplying, multiplying. So, yeah. All right. And we love you guys. Thank you, Kim. Bye. Yeah, uh, we're going to pass out these buckets of communion cups because uh, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. At the end of service. <sighs> What's up, all you Jesus people? All you Holy Ghost hosts? Y'all happy? Reminded of God's goodness again? He's so good. Well, uh, welcome to Holy Week. Um, it shouldn't feel alien or, or unfamiliar to you guys because you've been made holy for a long time. It's just kind of more holiness to go around. No amens? Amen. <laughs> there we go. Y'all, you agree with Scripture, right? You, you are holy. You are holy ones. You are saints, right? It's, it's kind of weird and powerful to just start to agree with what the Bible says about us. Like, I've been given the mind of Christ. Have you ever just greeted someone like that? Hey, I'm Jeremy, I have the mind of Christ. That'd be fun, right? I'm gonna try it this week. <laughs> Here's one, I, I love this one. This is Matthew 11, 11. I'm greater than John the Baptist. I got less amens again. <laughs> That's Jesus himself. <laughs> he says, uh, assuredly, I say to you, no one has arisen who's greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. <laughs> Do you guys know how a penguin builds its house? It glues it together. That was for you. <laughs> Do you guys know the difference between a hippo and a zippo? <laughs> One is really heavy, and the other is a little lighter. <laughs> 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 I 
I'm going to be here all week. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, I'm going to be here decades and decades because <clears throat> my dream, honestly, my dream is to 25 years from now look out from here and see dozens of people that I've uh, married dozens of people I've taken through counseling, dozens of people that I've wept with, dozens of people whose babies I've dedicated to the Lord. 25 years from now, I want to look around this room and see family that we haven't given up on, that we've locked arms together. Yeah. Um, Recently, I I talked about um, how uh, all of our thoughts, all of our understanding of God rests on a three-legged stool, and it's, it's scripture, it's encountering the Holy Spirit, so our, our experience with God, and it's also traditions. And so this is a tradition kind of week. We're in a very traditional week. Um, it's Palm Sunday today. It's when Christians all around the world are celebrating the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem a few days before his death and good news, resurrection. You know, we don't serve a God of death, but a God of resurrection. He's, no, he's not in the grave. Yeah. Like if you go looking for God in the grave, you won't find him there. Whew. And um, <clears throat> for many churches, Palm Sunday marks the beginning of a holy week that has tons of traditional um, traditions. Um, <laughs> That's me turning on my like, onboard thesaurus, so now I'm going to speak better. <laughs> uh, so yes, it's Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry, um, and then we have Holy Thursday, which is the Last Supper, and Good Friday, which is the crucifixion, and of course, Easter Sunday, or Resurrection Sunday, uh, my, my favorite of all. Um, I love uh, one of my daughter's she, like, we asked all of our kids, like, hey, what's your favorite holiday? We were just asking silly questions at, at dinner, and Evelyn said, Easter. And it's like, we don't, we don't do a lot, like, with our kids to make Easter super special. We probably should do more. This is me in confession now. But, um, but you know, Christmas is obviously special. All the rest of the kids said Christmas. Christmas, 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 Christmas. We have five kids, so... But there was just something so pure about her answer. She just loves Easter because she feels something. She feels that it, that's, it's sacred and it's holy. And people all over the world are remembering Jesus through Eucharist and communion and dinners together and foot washings and traditional songs. Because this week is the week when Jesus redeemed the world through relationship with God. And it's a week for many of us to be redeemed back into friendship with God. No matter where you're at or what you think you've done to disqualify yourself, you can turn to him in one half a step and not even have that foot landed down on the ground and the father has already run off the porch to you. You can trust him and you can, you can turn back to him. And you'll find him continually running to greet you and welcome you. So this is a good week to be redeemed to, to friendship with God. And even though this was a really big week for Jesus, 
to say the least. Um, I saw him in a vision tonight, and it caused me to, to cry again. I don't know if you were here last week, but I was really messed up by the presence of the Lord, and I asked God, please let me keep my composure this week. <laughs> um, maybe that's not a good prayer. I don't know. Um, but even though it was a really big week for Jesus, you know, like the thing that he came to do, he was still looking for moments to connect with his friends. Like when he was riding into Jerusalem. <laughs> yep, here we go. <laughs> Surrounded by people singing his praise and throwing down their palm branches and and his, his disciples are walking along behind him and, and next to him. And, you know, the, the whole city shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. I saw Jesus kind of turn back to his buddies and, like, like give him one of those, like, winks. Like, he looked at each one of them to let them know they were important. And it was kind of like one of those looks I saw on his face where he's like, this is crazy, isn't it? This is the craziest thing you've ever seen. Wink, wink. <clears throat> and then when he, um, when he saw the, the broken old sacrificial system, the money changers and the doves and the animals being prepared for sacrifice, and he went and he started to make a whip. In this vision, I saw him said to John, hey, come here. They called John and over where Jesus was making the whip. He's like, you want to see something wild? I've been meaning to do this for thousands of years. And he let loose and pushed those tables over and drove out the animals. And he's, he's saying in that moment, I take no delight in burnt and bloody animals. All I want is your hearts. Get this out of my house. Yeah, it got me to uh, open up to Zechariah 9.9, please. Holy Spirit, help us to dive into your scripture, reveal Jesus and the Father in new powerful ways to each one of us. Lord, I ask that everyone in this room would feel the love from you as if you came just for them. <clears throat> Zechariah 9.9. 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The Bible is notorious for extreme foreshadowing, a.k.a. prophecy. It's all over. <laughs> it's, it would be really hard to completely miss the plot. It is not one of those mystery movies where like the, the punchline is really, really, really well hidden. The Bible telegraphs, I mean, from, from right from the beginning when you know, the, the, the fall has happened and, and the Lord is speaking to Adam and Eve and he's saying, 
from your seed, one will come who will crush the head of the serpent. And even in the midst of them having fallen, he's already showing them that he's, a div- he's devised a plan to get them back that would cost him everything and them nothing. Now that's a dad, right? That's a good dad. So Zechariah 9.9 talks about Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. And then if you turn to uh, Luke 19, we're going to do some Bible gymnastics. Flip, flip, flip. Luke 19.28. Luke 19.28. When Jesus had finished saying all this, he went on toward Jerusalem. And as he was getting near Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples on ahead and he told them, go into the next village where you will find a young donkey that has never been ridden. Untie the donkey and bring it here. If anyone asks you what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs it. So they went off and (laughs) found everything just as Jesus had said. And while they were unti- while they were stealing a donkey, um, its owners asked, "Why are you doing that?" And they answered, "The Lord needs it." <laughs> Apparently, it worked. They led the donkey to Jesus. They put some of their clothes on its back and helped Jesus get on. And as he rode along, the people spread clothes on the road in front of him. I love that. Like the, the thing that they thought was their covering, their mantle, they considered it only good enough for the Lord to walk upon. And when Jesus was starting down the Mount of Olives, his large crowd of disciples were happy and praised God because of all the miracles they had seen. The people greeted Jesus enthusiastically, waving palm branches and covering his path with palm branches. The crowds that went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Some Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, Make your disciples stop shouting. That was my most annoying voice. I could have made it where it's like, teachers, (laughs) tell your disciples to stop shouting. (laughs) It's always fun to make fun of Pharisees, right? Okay, so, but Jesus answered, if they keep quiet, these stones will start shouting. Wouldn't that have been interesting Imagine that worship moment, though. Casey uh, preached my message tonight when he stood up here under prophetic unction. These guys were worshiping this King Jesus because they had slightly misinterpreted all the prophecies, and they thought that Jesus in this moment was going to deliver them from Roman rule, deliver them from oppression. And so when it looked as if that wasn't the case and their hopes were dashed. Their expectations, their unmet expectations of the Lord 
were what caused them to turn on him. And the same crowd shouting Hosanna in the highest was the same crowd shouting crucify him just a few days later. Which is why it's important to not have the wrong expectations of the Lord. See, he always comes in a way we don't really expect. He's so creative that it's almost like he doesn't come the same way twice. It's the weirdest thing how God who never changes always seems to surprise us. And they wanted, they wanted Jesus to deliver them from the oppression of Rome, not knowing that he was a king in their presence who would save them from a much worse oppression, that he would be defeating Satan, disarming all the principalities by the cross, freeing them from his power by freeing us from our fear of death. Hebrews 2.14, you know the enemy is empowered when there's a fear of death. That's where he has his power over humanity. And so when Jesus came and showed us the Father and submitted to our torture device where we poured out all of our rage and accusation on him and we put our good king unknowingly into the ground when he came back to life and promised us the same life everlasting, the domain of darkness was toppled because we no longer fear death, do we? What's the worst thing the enemy can do to you? Send you to paradise. I know that sounds kind of like intense, but you need to have that in your arsenal because days will come that are very dark and very confusing at times. And you might be faced in a moment. You might be in front of a hostile crowd, just like the disciples ended up in front of hostile crowds. And you can stand there glowing like Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, as you're answering him with the words that the Lord gives you. And you have no fear of death because you're just going to pass into a realm where you wake up in the arms of the Lord. That's good, Jeremy. <laughs> That's why I brought you from Santa Barbara, Daniel. I like verbal affirmation. <laughs> Don't you guys? <laughs> I want to talk about that donkey. Oh, that donkey. There's an old uh, worship papa. Uh, he's been around a long time. His name is Don Potter. I had the privilege of being around him uh, quite a bit when I was in ministry school, and Don's weirdness rubbed off on me. You're welcome. <laughs> and, but he, he was kind of famous for, well, for a lot of teachings, but one thing he said that stuck with me more than anything, is he asked us all, um, who's the best worship leader in scripture? And everyone's like, eh. well, I mean, that's pretty simple. It's King David. He's like, nope, it was the donkey. We're like, all right, Don, what do you, what do you mean here, buddy? <laughs> and he said, um, that lowly animal, that lowly beast, had the greatest honor in the world of 
presenting and carrying the Lord before people while they laid down their cloaks and palm branches and shouted their praises at the one on his back. The donkey never thought that they were singing the donkey's praises, but he got to walk on the cloaks of praise, which is what worship leaders get to do, Cody. But the donkey didn't go back to the stable and tell his other donkey buddies, you should have heard Jerusalem shouting my donkey glory today. (laughs) They just couldn't stop singing about how, you should have seen me just strutting. (laughs) No, everybody knows that the donkey was just carrying the Lord. It was a donkey upon which no one had ridden. Isn't that an interesting point? It means that that spot is reserved for only one. And I'm looking around in the room at people who have a place in their heart reserved for only the Lord. This is what Frisco is called to be. We're called to be good donkeys that carry the Lord well and present Jesus before this city so that the world can worship him. We're a people. <laughs> John Ferguson, you got me good, man. <laughs> it was like the half second delay. <laughs> earth, upper room Frisco, on earth as it is in heaven. We're the Lord's donkey. I found something kind of cool about um, about donkeys. Um, (laughs) You know that like creation sings his praise. Like Saint Francis of Assisi said that creation was God's first Bible because you can't look around without seeing its glory. Well, there's this really cool fact about donkeys that, you know, is telegraphed to us from the Lord. Every donkey, like, they're, they're either like a dark brown or like nearly black fur, but on their back is a white cross on every donkey's back. It's where this hair sticks up. You have to look it up and Google it. I forgot to Google it and send you a picture, but if you find one, Mario, Google a picture of a donkey's back with the cross. I'm telling you, from above where the shoulder blades meet is a white cross on donkeys. Isn't that cool? That's free. Moving on. Um. (laughs) You know, tonight... uh, it's, it's weird because I felt like the Lord was speaking to me this week through like th- two or three different messages. And, um, and I felt like he was helping me bring them together. And hopefully they, they do all come together. But um, tonight I wanted to talk about um, three people or two people and a donkey who really impacted Jesus uh, in the week leading up to his uh, crucifixion and resurrection and And so now I want to talk about one of his best friends named Mary. In Matthew 26, uh, verse 1, it says, uh, When Jesus had finished saying these things, he said to his disciples, 
as you know, Passover begins in two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. We know this is Mary of Bethany because of all the parallel verses in the other gospels explain who this is. The disciples were indignant when, and when they saw this. Why this waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman? Or uh, another one says, leave this woman alone. Leave her alone for doing such a good, uh, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She's poured out this perfume on me to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Sweet Mary, she probably being, being Mary, the one who sits at the Lord's feet, she probably felt something coming before the rest of the doofuses in the room realized it. And she's thinking, this, I don't have that much time. I don't know how much longer he's going to be with me. Like, this is, this is my Lord, and, and I've, I've been wanting to do this thing, and it, it's time. It's time right now. And she, she brings the thing that represents her heart, her life, her, 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 this perfume that's worth so much money and, and breaks it open. It's all she can do. It's all she can think to do. It's like, he's worth this. He's worth more than this, but he can certainly have this. And she's breaking this, this beautiful smelling perfume and, and anointing the Lord from head to toe. And Mary showed more freedom and extravagant worship in that moment than those dudes had in three years. And they got offended and criticized her. And that religious spirit flared up and put forward a good reason that was the enemy of the best. And Jesus defended her and said this amazing thing. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. How cool is that? Don't you want Jesus to say that to you? Imagine Yahweh incarnate in this moment honoring this girl so much to say, wherever they talk about me, they're talking about her. In that moment, Judas, that's like the moment he's like, I've had it. It's time to betray him. So he goes out and does that. And then they have the Last Supper. Guys, the Last Supper, could you imagine being Jesus and knowing, like, of course, Judas is at the table, the, you know, the betrayer or whatever. He, he comes in, and, and then there's uh, all these friends that he's laid his life down for, loved on, like, saved, helped out, and he knows that everyone's going to desert him. You know, maybe John will stay, sweet, beloved John. And he's still just loving them, giving of himself. 
Could you imagine sitting at a table, looking at the one who would betray you worse than anyone else and sharing your meal with them? And so um, he's betrayed, he's being, he's bound, he's carried off, he's tortured, and he's carrying his cross now. And um, I mean, the Lord of creation is buckling under the weight of a tree whose atoms he designed. He so took on our weakness that he's being crushed by a twig that he created. And he couldn't carry it. And so they pulled forward this, this other guy that means a lot to Jesus, and his name is Simon. And uh, some of the Roman guards grabbed Simon out of the crowd and said, help this guy carry his this, this cross. Simon actually, I, I looked this up, his name means he who has heard God. Guys, Jesus couldn't carry his own cross. What makes us think we can do it without each other? So Jesus makes it up to Golgotha, the place of the skull, where he would crucify us in the place of our skull and remove our stinking thinking about the Father. It's free, that was from last week, it's paraphrased. Jesus, he's on the cross, he's in unimaginable pain. He's actually taking on the sin of the world while we throw all of, all of our sin on him. He's like this bottomless pit, forgiving all of our sins out of existence, taking them all on himself. Deserted by all of his friends except for Mary, 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 and John. Mary means bitter. John means God is gracious. So he's got bitterness, 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 and God will be gracious looking at him. They even offer him bitter gall. Are you guys picking up the, the message here? He's come to swallow the bitterness of humanity. And he's alone in unimaginable pain, hanging on that cross. Do you know what the accuser was saying to him in that moment? Why this waste, Jesus? You could have used your life for so much more, Jesus. You could have made it another 40 years, been the most renowned preacher in all of history, written books, taught people how to multiply food and walk on water. You could have kept on loving these people. Why this waste, Jesus? And, he, and he's inhaling through the pain, and he smells something. And it's Mary's perfume evaporating from his skin, reminding him why this waste. For the joy set before him, for the love of Mary, for the love of John. Amen. 
And to this day, when the Lord shows up and you smell the fragrance of the Lord, you smell Mary's perfume because he won't take it off. Wherever the gospel is told, what she has done will be told too. Which is why when he comes, we're reminded of the devotion of that woman. This is how the Lord honors. He smells like Mary. He sits on David's throne. He drinks from Jacob's well. He was carried, his cross was carried by Simon and he rode on a lowly donkey. And he's looking at us asking, do you think that you would be able to pour your life out? on the person next to you because I would count it as you pouring out your life for me. The least you do to one of these you've done unto me. So whether you are bitter or you've once heard God a long time ago, but you feel like you're now just in a stable out to pasture or a stubborn old mule. God wants to use you. God wants to honor you. You're set aside for the Lord's use. There's a place in your heart reserved for only him. And you can carry him so well that a city will sing his praises. And the love that you pour out on him, he will remember forever. I want to take communion with you guys and remember the Lord with you all. Thank you. You know, when we remember him, it's not just a mental ascent where we call to our cognizant mind, you know, the things God's done for us, those are, that's a good thing to do. But when we remember him through the Eucharist, through the Lord's Supper, when we're gathered together like this, we are actually remembering him. We are the members of God's body. And when we take this body, we're saying that we are one, that we're together in this. He is the one that unites us and we're putting him figuratively, metaphorically, mystically, and quite literally, we're putting him back together and representing God to the world. And on the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after he had given thanks for it, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for me. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time you take and eat, do it in remembrance of me. So go ahead and take and eat. We thank you, Lord, for your body broken. And we thank you, Jesus, for
for your blood poured out, inaugurating the new covenant. We thank you for the power of your blood, the miraculous, the healing, the deliverance, the freedom from false narratives and false ideas about the Father. Thank you for the power of your blood. And as we take it together now, God, we ask that you would wash us clean from head to toe, from mind to body, that healing would enter and deliverance would take place. Let's take the blood together. Thank you, Lord. Can you guys hold out your hands like you're about to receive a gift? Lord, every time we try to bring gifts to you, you throw gifts on us. And so we, we say that we receive from you this week. We ask for revelatory moments where we catch glimpses of you and understand you in mighty, powerful ways, life-changing ways. We ask God this week that we would understand uh, more deeply than ever what you have accomplished for us this week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.